When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the last episode of our Blades in the Dark series. As usual, we have a few announcements before getting into the show. Just another reminder, if you want to play a couple games of Chimera with me in person this January, I will be at the Midwinter Gaming Convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I still have plenty of slots open, so it'd be great to meet some of you in person. You can find all the links to the sign-up page as well as the convention page in the show notes. The OneShot Network is continuing their Patreon drive. As of this recording, or a couple minutes ago when I looked at it, they are $33 away from unlocking the next reward, which is part four of the Bin Bon and Jubna series, which I am dying to hear because I need to know what happens. Mm -hmm. So depending on what level you back at, you could get a shout out on one shot or campaign. You can get access to the secret archive or even potentially a monthly game. Ooh. I know. Uh, money from the Patreon goes to support all of the shows on the network, including ours. Mm -hmm. So please consider giving if you can. Um, and you can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash one shot podcast. Yeah, excellent. And we also love hearing from all of you wonderful people out there. So come on, join us down at our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com or hit us up on Twitter. Another great way to tell us what you think of the podcast is to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or on our Facebook page. We love hearing your thoughts on the show, but only if they're nice. And <laughs> don't tell us bad things. <laughs> um, but it's a great way to let others know what you think and help other people find the show. So we are going to read a review, as always. This one is from Jude, so I feel like it doesn't count since he's already been on the show like twice, but he said nice things anyway, so I'll read it. It is titled, Explores a Missing Space in the RPG Sphere. Character Creation Cast and Character Evolution Cast are diving into a part of the RPG world that is crucially underserved right now, helping players grow in their art. GMs have a ton of advice, but players need help and advice too, and Amelia and Ryan do a fantastic job of showcasing how to build unique, deep characters in a variety of systems, and then how to grow those characters on Character Evolution Cast. Yeah, thank you so much, Jude. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was pretty nice. Thanks for being nice to me for once, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's always been nice to me, so... Well, everybody's nice to you because you're nice to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <sighs> Well, with all of that said, let's get on with the show. Enjoy.
our discussion episode. Last time we created a group of characters for Blades in the Dark. This episode, we are discussing the character creation process. We're very excited to welcome back some of the cast of the Magpies podcast. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves again for everyone at home and tell us about the characters you made in our last episode? Uh, Minna, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I'm Minna. I'm in the Magpies podcast and the Iron Heights podcast, which is newly launched on the One Shot Network. Um, my character is, let me pull up the character sheet. I have a character named Madri. She She's the uh, leech playbook, which means she's a saboteur and technician. Um, she came from Eruvia, um, was raised in a temple and as a healer. And has since uh, fallen into loyalty to the Severosi princess played by Josie. Josie, do you want to tell us about your character? Yeah, my character um, is named Alton Sarnai, um, or Ryder, as she's more commonly known. Um, she's an exiled princess of the Severosi uh, horse tribes, and she fled essentially a forceful coup as is common out there um, with her bodyguard into Duskwall um, and has fallen in with this cult to reestablish her power and take back her lineage. And Ree, how about yourself? Yeah, uh, so I'm Ree. I'm the GM and producer of the Magpies podcast. Um, and the character that I built last time is Nazrin Azaria, the Lurk, which is kind of the like infiltrator uh stealth person um she uh is also eruvian in her heritage um was a student uh at uh doskval academy's college of immortal sciences got disowned by her family probably due to her habit of stealing uh sensitive documents from from nobility and blackmailing people with it um and has also fallen in with this cult um which she uh sees as kind of a, a path to uh reclaiming the the power and privilege that was so unfairly stripped from her <laughs> amelia how about yourself uh i created um hold on i gotta like find my notes guys i turned the page <laughs> oh i know okay uh i created arden swell i used the whisper playbook um arden is a from a family of high priests in um is it tykeros yes um and worked as a vizier for the local i don't know who's in power there how does that even run in Tykeros. Nobody knows. Who we knows? have no idea. Okay. However you want. You right. get to you get to make it up right now. All right. So a vizier to let's say the I feel like emperor is a correct term. Well actually I guess it would be so Tykeros is part of the empire, so it would be somebody it is? Yeah. Technically. Dang. How did the empire Maybe it maybe it's not. I don't know. Whatever. They can have an emperor out there too. That's fine. Uh, you know, emperor, sub-emperor, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is just really into trying out rituals and cult stuff and like, uh, you know, snorting ghosts and seeing what happens. <laughs> As you do. Right. And Ryan, what about you? Um, I created Kitsune Vale, also known as Vixen. 
Uh, she was a princess from the Dagger Isles, um, practiced as a socialite uh, in the noble houses over there, um, and uh, found her way here because uh, she both wants to protect her best friend and sometimes kinky lover, <laughs> Nerix, uh, from Amelia's character because uh, I don't want Nerix to be snorted. <laughs> so she also joined this cult because uh, she heard word that the physical manifestation of an actual god comes to this cult at times, and she wants to get good enough to be able to manipulate this god herself. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty intense group of people. <laughs> yeah. It really is. So we are going to go ahead and dive right into our segment that we call D20 for your thoughts. D20 for your thoughts? In this segment, we want to talk to our guests about their thoughts on the character creation process in the system and how it feels compared to other games that you've played. Um, but first, we want to ask each of you how you got into role playing. Who wants to start? <laughs> I, I guess I'll start. Um, I kind of had just a really sudden and unexpected introduction to role playing. It was like, gosh, I think in my senior year of high school, even. And just out of nowhere, uh, a shared friend of ours just came in and was like, hey, I want to do D DM this D&D &D thing for y'all. So I did. I made a sorcerer and I haven't stopped making sorcerers since. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, it was just sort of all of a sudden in my life one day. Hmm. And I took up GMing pretty quick. I haven't GMed in a couple of years, but I spent like almost a decade GMing mostly D&D &D before branching out into other stuff over the past few years like this. So what precipitated the branching out into other stuff? I was getting part of it was just awareness of like the wider world of world of role playing because yeah. like all I knew was D&D &D and like fantasy heartbreakers and stuff like that for a long time. Um, but also just searching for like more in-depth character stories, I guess, because mm -hmm. it's just nothing about D&D excludes that, but... It's not built specifically to do that. It's not built specifically to do that, and people will tend away from it even if you ask for it. Mm -hmm. So it was more like, yeah, I like my mechanics and stuff, but I do want it to be thematic and tell stories and stuff like that. Very cool. So I started branching up the stuff that could do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, how about Minna? How, how did you get into role-playing? So I actually played my first role-playing game in, like, February of 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. yeah. Um, I think even as far back as, like, 2011, 2012, I thought, hey, that sounds neat. That could be fun if I ever find, but I just never found people to, like, do it with. Um, so I actually ran across on, like, an Anon meme, like, somebody had put out a thing like, oh, looking for new players to introduce to the game, I'm gonna run a game specifically for that. Um, and then right around then, I also found the one-shot Discord, so before that short adventure was even over, I was, like, plunged face-deep into indie gaming, like, the <laughs> more narrative-driven games that one-shot tends to favor, mm -hmm. uh, which... Yes, wonderful. I have not looked back, except for the time I checked out AL at the local gaming store and didn't enjoy it very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, 
even that first D&D game, we had one combat the entire three-month adventure. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was very short. It's my kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was just a mystery in, like, some city. Oh, that's amazing. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, so I'm pretty new to role-playing, uh, relatively speaking. What about Yuri? Um, so I first started with um, a... a D&D group. I believe it was D&D 3.0 in high school um, when I was like 15. That first group did not go well. I've talked about it in depth um, on some other interview (laughs) shows and it's not really the focus of this conversation, but it wasn't. Turns out that when you play a game with a bunch of teenage boys who are enrolled in an all-boys Catholic high school and you're the only girl, it ain't gonna go well. It's, It's a bad time. But even with kind of all of the weirdness and grossness and guy who stalked me for a couple of years um, of that group, uh, I only played for like four or five sessions with them, but I was still like, even with all of that horribleness and just that very brief introduction, I was still like, this is good. This is cool. I can tell there's something here that I want. Um, and fortunately I I was lucky enough to, then I found a, a good, a better group later on in high school and then a really good group in college. And then, um, I didn't really branch out into other systems outside of D and D 3.5, which I still know inside and out. (laughs) 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 It is, it is a shame. I will carry with me forever. Um, (laughs) I didn't really start branching out until, uh, again, um, I, I came across uh, the One Shot Network and specifically campaign podcast, the the Star Wars version, um, uh, and then just kind of the narrative dice system and the kind of stories they were telling. And then I started listening to like the One Shot episodes and it was just like, oh my God, it, it was... Uh, I feel like this is probably an analogy that James may have used at some point, but it's like I had been eating Cheerios my entire life and then someone took me to the cereal aisle and I was like, oh my God, there's so much. There's so many options. Um, And so, yeah, uh, basically, I guess I think I started listening to campaign in 2015-ish. And like... I have have been into role play games since high school, but like since that point, it has just like consumed an ever growing part of my life to the point where I'm doing a podcast about it and <laughs> yeah. playing in a ton of other games every week. So yeah, I feel like you and I have had a very similar experience. Of like, <laughs> oh, I played in high school and it was kind of icky, and then I. I still had that craving to do it though. Yeah. And then eventually like found another group. It was still kind of icky. Um, but like one shot was the thing that made me want to go back to it. I was like, Oh, it can be this whole other thing from yeah. this experience mm-hmm. that I had. Um, and then it wasn't, but then now it is. Yeah. Yeah. That was articulate. Do you want to <laughs> issue a correction, by the way? I said that I'm pretty new to role playing, which is 100% not true because I've been role playing since I was about 13. Uh, I just used to do text role play. Oh, which yeah. Which is a much different, it's all narrative. Uh, also, heavily female. You don't get a lot of people who aren't. Um, well, I guess that's changed over the but like still heavily that skewed that way. I think that uh, online and on anonymity um kind of tends to skew more female 
yeah. I, I mean, I think bikes like just like for two spaces of... and things like that. Like, um, but I did know before I started before I played that D and D game, I knew there were like other systems out there, and that D and D was not my ideal. That mm-hmm. was just the one of convenience for my first game. <laughs> right, right. So, like, I guess I've just been looking for exactly this kind of thing. Like, I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very cool. Um, well, then let's hop into, uh, can you tell us about your personal process for picking and creating characters for any game? Uh, is there any specific things you, you kind of look out for or any uh, techniques that you use to figure out what you want to play as? Uh, I tend to, I don't usually start from a specific place, but usually I kind of have the process of informing the mechanics and character back and forth, like a dialogue. I've never like considered them completely separate. So I'll like find some aspect mechanically that I like and be like, oh, what characters can I build out of this? Um, like I looked like I looked at the hound and and the idea of having a hunting pet uh inspired me a lot and then that then I thought about like well okay how do you use a hunting pet if I'm using it in this way what ethnicity makes the most sense and just sort of bouncing back and forth yeah. um but sometimes I start from a role play aspect and then put the mechanical thing on there um but I go back and forth like I hear some people describe it as starting from one and developing into the other, but I like to bounce back and forth at each stage. That makes sense. I I think mine is more, I will, I'll usually look through playbooks or classes and see which one appeals to me. And then I will go off and develop a whole person <laughs> and backstory <laughs> and, and things. And then I'll be like, okay, I have this person. How can I like, retrofit this all into the mechanics Mm -hmm. um so i uh which that that's kind of evolved more recently i used to do the opposite where i would just build the character out mechanically and then be like okay what kind of story makes sense for for this character but yeah now it's kind of like okay what is the kind of person that i am going to want to play and then i will uh, you know, fill in the the mechanics to match that. Um, I found that a lot more satisfying than necessarily building a, a story out of the mechanics because then I know that the the mechanics that I'm building are based on something that I want to play. Right. I think Ray and I have talked about this, but we have like fairly similar like approaches to like uh, we'll start. I'll also start with like a playbook or class or something just to give me like a little bit of a direction. And then I will go out and do too much with backstory. Uh, <laughs> Magpies is actually a really good example. And so, like, I, I knew I wanted a uh, spider, but it took me a while to come up with, like, who she was. And I had to, like, I actually dug into the whole, like, little uh, guide to the city. Because a lot of my character creation and, like, especially games where I'm really interested in the setting is all, like, look at the setting and see what kind of person you can make who lives there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, like, I started looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I love uh, Char Hollow with its, like, that's kind of like the industrial workers, like, little community that they live in. And I guess just kind of, like, built up from, like, this is somebody who came from this area and then became a spider, like a manipulator with, like, information connections. And, yeah, so I'll, I do too much with backstory. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like, like that, that though. Like when you, especially when you play in games that have kind of a pretty established setting, it's really nice to be able to mm-hmm. go in there and say, where do I fit in this already built world? Like even with D and D, when I did that little that short campaign that I was in my first game, I emailed, I sent the longest emails back and forth to the DM, like, okay, I have this character concept. Where could she be from? And then this is this whole backstory I'm building up from the wiki. I think she was um, Cormirian and like a member. Of it. I made like a whole family tree for her. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, because like um, her place in the family and like living up to the family's expectations was really important to her. So like I thought it was fun to have that. <laughs> it doesn't always come up, but it can make for fun stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean we're not gonna like. <laughs> Shame anybody here for doing too much stuff with their characters. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you feel like the character creation in this game stacks up against other games that you've played? It goes pretty quickly. Um, I think, I mean, for, for us, it took a little bit longer because we were like discussing each step of it. But if you're just sitting down by yourself to do a character, you can... If if you're not really if you're just doing it fast, like for for when I've run this at conventions, you can whip up a character in ten or fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. I can see that, which you know differs from from some of the crunchier games where it's like okay D and I'm gonna need to set aside a couple hours to flip through source books and find an equipment list and. Mm-hmm. It seems like if you know the setting well. Uh, that would make things go a lot faster with some of the, like the background information. Yes. yes. Um, for me, coming into this with pretty much zero uh, knowledge of what the setting is all about, um, it, it took a little bit of listening to some of your descriptions and a little bit of reading uh, about the the different places and the people there that uh, would have taken a little bit longer i uh, had I been doing that on my own yeah i think it does take a little but like compared to things like again compared to D, trying to come up with a backstory and situate your character in the setting this is like made so easy i cannot say enough how much i love the little city sections mm-hmm. <laughs> well and the thing with this game too is that the book itself is not very big it's, yeah, you know, it's not a huge like it's not even like textbook sized. It's a little I'm gonna like yeah, it's yeah. hands like... up and people can't see, but it's a small <laughs> book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's really not a lot of things that you would have to flip through or right. run through. Like there's only so much there. Mm-hmm. And I think they also like take pains to like give you what you need where you need it. So mm-hmm. like on the choose a heritage section, there's little blurbs about each of the places, and there's some other details other places we don't need those you can Mm -hmm. just use the if you want this kind of character this is the background you choose and the playbooks do a really nice job of having all of the most of the necessary information right Mm -hmm. on there too Mm -hmm. you don't have to go Mm -hmm. and look things up and you know you think of like a blank sheet that's like feats yeah okay (laughs) what you know it's all right there it's like pick one of these four things okay i can do that kind of like the pbta style of you just need the one sheet yeah yeah (laughs) I, I do see a lot of the, the Powered by the Apocalypse influence um, in the character creation process here. Uh, the only thing that I was missing out on was the uh, like relationships uh, with the other players. Yeah, I, that was one of the things I was thinking of. I know one of the future questions is like, wh- what do you think are some of the um, 
the flaws of character creation. I think that's one thing that I, I wish that was incorporated more. Like we kind of worked it out a little bit, but Mm -hmm. with, with some of the characters, but we didn't really establish like, how did we meet? How did we come together? Uh, What, Mm -hmm. what, how do our characters relate to one another? Um, Yeah. I wish like, obviously you can do that, but it's not inherent in the system. And I wish, I wish that it had uh, a stronger kind of relationship mechanic. Yeah. That's true, but I will say that most games that I've played, like, you set relationships at the beginning, but then a lot of the time that changes once you get into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, at least. And yeah. I think one thing that the crew part, at least, does is gives you a shared purpose. Yeah. That, like, you're all interested in. Yeah. And so, like, kind of like any action movie, you, you get brought together by this purpose, and then you figure out what shakes out once you get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I so could, I think it makes sense genre-wise. Yeah. I I have always really enjoyed how concise it is mm-hmm. while still allowing depth. Like, each of the 12 actions is pretty fluid, but all of them are useful. Um, I really like how it has you define, like, a word for your character after its heritage and background. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's not as hard to come up with as you'd expect, and it gives a really strong direction for the character mm-hmm. going forward. And like, there's also like we said, not a lot of math. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, we so had to count to four at one point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can just say, like, okay, what do I want my character to be bad at, competent at, good at, and then just say zero, one, or two dots. Yeah, right? and then. Are you positive or negative with two people? It's very, uh, it's a very binary state game rather than lots of like fiddly plus ones and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good entry point kind of character building to just be like, okay, I'm going to check this and check this and check this. And I mean, and that's a lot of those powered by the apocalypse bones there. Yeah. Like having all of that laid out in front of you rather than Mm -hmm. having to go digging for it. Um, But yeah, I, I did miss some of the, the relationship type questions and really that's a thing that we sort of come to expect from games that look anything like yeah. Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah because when you think about it very few games really have that built into their creation it's true and i think it's just there was there's a feeling of like oh where is it because so much of it looks like that that like that's the next logical step but mm-hmm. it's really not a thing that very many games do at all so it's not like you have to have it in it or it's a bad yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like this game uh, lends itself to being capable of creating all of your individual characters on your own time, too. Mm-hmm. And then bringing them to the table and saying, okay, let's let's fit these together. Let's create our crew now uh, together. That's uh, pretty much what we did with the Magpies. Everybody kind of built their characters. Like, we talked about what people were thinking of a little bit, but everybody was mostly like crew balance. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Like not mm-hmm. picking the same playbook purposes, but yeah, we, we, everybody kind of built their characters individually. And then for yeah. our session zero, we came together and built the crew. I still remember just like messaging, messaging you on discord, like while walking out from lunch with my roommate, like I just figured out that thing is going to like change things, change Myra's whole backstory. <laughs> That's such a, like, I love that light bulb moment where you're like, I know who they are. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's the best. That feels so good. It's the best. My, 
my first, honestly, one of the first things I knew about Myra was that she had some kind of secret. I just didn't know what the secret was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't come up a lot. It's. But I it, don't think it's been expressly spelled out in the show ever. I think no, it's no, been no. hinted it, that at. That definitely hasn't been revealed. It's uh, been and hint- it rarely yeah. comes up even like as hints, but yeah. like it's just like a thing that was important to me to have like underneath everything. So oh, don't cool. worry. It won't be a secret forever. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I take that move, I know when you'll lie about it. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, I didn't even consider <laughs> no. that possibility. Double oh. down. That's amazing. He's an evil, evil, wonderful GM, and just like loves to bring out those drama points. <laughs> yeah, she has that like look in her eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that GM look of like, oh. She just mm-hmm. likes to say ominous things and walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the role of a GM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's... like, cryptic and then just, like... <laughs> that's slowly, honestly... Slowly slide out of the picture. Yeah, it's half the fun of GMing is is instilling fear in people and then not following through <laughs> because you're actually a big softie who wants the players to win. Yeah. Yep. I mean, not so much the softie part, but... Uh, that's... That's... That is, I, I, I try to be very like threatening and scary, and then I'm like, oh no, I can't be mean to them because then they won't win, and I want oh. them to win. Uh. <laughs> the thing is, you propose drama, and we're like, yes, yeah. give it. <laughs> That's awesome. Put our trash children through the ringer. Yep. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, that could be a secondary subtitle for my post. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right after be gay, do crime. Yes. And That's what's awesome. what's the devil's bargain look like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many t-shirt options. <laughs> All right. So, how do we think the the mechanics of character creation reinforce the feel that Blades in the Dark is going for? Man, that's a that's a question. <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I mean, the answer could also be they don't. I think that particularly with the crew building. It's a good way of kind of ex- of of showing to players that they are the ones kind of taking the lead on this because part of the crew, um, and also kind of part of character creation based on the abilities that you take and the actions that you focus on, is telling your GM what kind of story you want. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like picking the crew is like we picked a cult, so the GM for this game would be like, okay, they want a lot of spooky supernatural stuff that's going to deal with ghosts and demons and other cults and probably other forgotten gods. Um, Whereas if we had picked the hawkers who are selling uh, some kind of vice, that's a much more like socially oriented group. So that's like, okay, they want to go to like fancy parties and Mm -hmm. uh, have a lot of uh, you know, probably a lot of really strong NPC relationships with people. So it's, and that is, you know, the the GM, again, outside of convention play, where usually you're just like, this is the crew that you're going to do. Um, the players are telling the GM, this is the kind of game we want to play. These are the kind of crimes that we want to do. Please present us with those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And. I think one of the things that I noticed right away when looking at the character sheets to try to figure out um, what type of game this will inform me that I'm going to be playing, um, one of the things that stood out really right away was the vice mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. that your character's, A, not perfect, <laughs> and they they like a little something 
uh, that they want to get as much of as they can get of. And that, 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 to me, that feels like a very, uh, heisty, uh, sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And there's no, like, virtue or positive aspect <laughs> to, like, yeah. contrast it or anything. So yeah. it's like, there's your baseline and then this pit of vice that you can slide into. Mm -hmm. I will say that from what you've told me about playing the game and what I know of it, um, I think that the fact that the character creation is so quick and is just kind of like checking things off means that you're not spending a lot of time agonizing over which traits and which feats and which equipment and which exact things, which seems to be a theme of this game of mm -hmm. kind of just like moving things along. Yeah. And so yeah. it seems to sort of reinforce that feel of like, I don't need to have every teeny tiny detail figured out right this minute. Right. Yeah. Like, I'll figure out what all of this means and how to flavor it and what it looks like as we go along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to say the character creation kind of gives you, like, two things that tie into the theme of the game. And one of them is, like, you're a very competent person. Here's the ways that you're competent. And, like, here's your specific niche, mm -hmm. uh, which is the playbook, obviously. But also, I think it just really grounds you in a world where, and this plays out more in the long game than in the scores, but you have all of these like relationships that are pulling you in various directions mm -hmm. and that are challenging you. And I think the clever friends thing does that to some extent, the vice does that um, mm -hmm. where the struggle with yourself um, and, and even just like deciding where you come from and, and what you were doing gives you instant like points where you could have tension with the world around you mm -hmm. yeah you're instantly grounded in the setting i think mm -hmm. yeah and those are almost more important choices than like where you put your dots like yeah yeah your heritage is like a super important thing even though it changes nothing mechanically right yeah but it really forces you to think of like what is your place in this society and like the social conflicts are such a big part of blades that i think it's really important that it does that mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think that, like, the special abilities and stuff that are in there are really evocative. Like, really just are. even, yeah. like, the way that they're described gives you a pretty clear picture of, like, what this world is, too. Yeah, like, yeah. E honestly, everything that you choose is weirdly evocative. Like, even, like, the your clever friends, like, the names. <laughs> yeah. Apothecary, Psychonaut, Corpse Thief, Blood Dealer, and Priestess. Those are my options. Yeah. And that's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we looked at this, but um, every... Every sheet also gets little special items that are just theirs, too, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really talk about equipment much because equipment doesn't really apply in character creation. But um, it's fun to, like, I'm just looking at mine and I didn't realize you, you get some bandoliers you can throw at people. Um, um, <laughs> potions, basically, if yeah. you're a leech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the, and it does also kind of imply some stuff about the character. Like, I think yeah. the... I think the spider, like one of their class items, is a fine bottle of whiskey. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. And I love the sword cane that the slide gets. Yeah. That one's really fun, yeah, too. I, I got a lot of use of that. Yeah, uh, no, that and it, it almost, like, really makes you think of a character like Minx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I don't know. I think some of the way that it, like, that Blades in general, like, everything about Blades really just, like, gets you... I don't know, it's especially inspiring to me somehow like the way that it just drops evocative things and leaves you to fill in the rest 
is like probably probably what makes it my favorite roleplay setting just because it really just fires my brain up yeah <laughs> so how do you feel like we kind of answered this a little bit already but do you feel like the process of character creation sets your expectations for playing this game uh, one disconnect that I kind of had going in when I was first learning the system is rolling more die and taking the higher is like less intuitive than rolling die and adding a number. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you can look at a big number and be like, oh, I get an idea of how much better this number is. It's a, it's a little hard to grok the whole dot thing, especially since... Like, it's increasing your odds of getting a certain number, mm -hmm. I guess. But I will, I would say it does a good job of establishing that you are competent at what you do, but this world is rough at the same time. Like, a lot of really gritty systems are like, oh, you're also just bad at the things your class <laughs> is supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this strikes a balance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point, though. I feel like in a lot of sort of dystopian games that I've played, it's just sort of assumed that you're garbage at everything that you try and do. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at, like, even, like, um, like Warhammer and stuff, like, you're just not mm -hmm. good at stuff. I think Blades is going for the opposite, though. Like, it's going for the idea that if you really want it, if you're desperate enough, you yeah, could you can be get better it. at it. Yeah. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's even, like... He outlines like that everyone can take stress to to be better at things like well or e even to do things that you are unskilled in so like like you were saying yeah. like there's games where it's like oh you're you you know you don't have any ranks in this you just can't do it with blades if you don't have ranks in something you can either just roll rolling zero dice is you roll two d six and take the lower result but you can push yourself or take a devil's bargain to get one die. You get a friend to help you. They take a little stress and give you another die. If you are willing to, to take some risks yourself and get help from a friend, you can do anything. <laughs> or you can yeah. at least have a chance of doing anything. Yeah. But at the same time, the cost of that is literally called stress yeah. <laughs> and trauma. Yeah. So it's like, it's not without cost. Yeah. And this world is... Mm -hmm. rough yeah and you do need to be pretty desperate yeah to it's it's very much a, a live fast to die young approach to, to character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm -hmm. i do think that the dice pool didn't throw me so much because i i want to say that when i came into blades it was if i wasn't in the vampire the requiem game i was freshly off it um and so we had dice pools there too like i think it's just mm -hmm. It's different, but, like, not unheard of to do dice pools like that. Yeah, I guess I don't know if I've ever played a game that doesn't have dice pools. Well, I mean, building dice pools instead of 2d6 plus whatever. Yeah, I mean, and I guess, so I guess at a con I've played Masks and some other PBTA stuff, but, like, my other games were Shadowrun, which has <laughs> dice pools, L5R, which has dice pools, um, <laughs> and then I have played Genesis, which has dice pools. Yeah. yeah. And, like, everything I've played has been like aspire also uses dice pools like i maybe i have a thing i think I the, <laughs> the pbta expectation throws you a little bit because it does feel so pbta but then you're doing these dice pools and some other things that are different mm -hmm. but i think once you get used to it it's fine yeah 
yeah, I think once you get over that, like, initial assumption of, like, oh, it yeah. looks like this, so it must be that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still sit down to sessions, and if I'm not thinking, I'll be like, 2D6. Wait, no, not 2D6. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like I said at the beginning of this mm-hmm. uh, discussion. Well, we already went over how the lack of built-in relationships was a fairly big flaw of the system. Mm-hmm. But are there any other flaws that you think this character creation has for Blades in the Dark? Or anything that, that you think that the the character creation could do a little bit better? I don't know. I feel like I feel like some of the crew stuff was like a little bit less resonant to me. I I can't really articulate why I think that. Uh but it but aside from like the name and like what kind of crew you are Everything on it feels a little more complicated and a little less resonant to me, I guess. I I will say that one thing, and this I've noticed in talking with other people who run Blades, the the hunting grounds concept tends to get dropped almost immediately. Very few people, because it does have like, the whole idea of the hunting grounds with the crew is that you get some mechanical bonuses if you do a score in your hunting grounds. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But, like, huh. it requires you to to stick to a narrow area, and that's not... Most people that are playing the game don't want to do that. You want to get out in this big, cool city. Yeah, so, like... And it also kind of forces the GM to provide scores that are in that hunting ground area. So it tends not to get used very much. I will also say, and this is more just from my experience, and this might just be how the magpies have have shaken out, but um, so during crew creation, we kind of had those factions that we identified as having potential relationships. And they don't all get worked in. Yeah, yeah. We, I think the only one that for the magpies that we've kind of continued to involve is the Lamp Blacks, who they had kind of a rivalry with. And the only reason that they've really remained as prominent. from the beginning (laughs) yeah is is because minx also has a relationship with the leader of that gang um you know i i incorporated one of their other gangs that they had a relationship with i don't think you guys have ever had anything Mm -hmm. to do with the gray cloaks who you stole a bunch of furniture from (laughs) they're just a joke (laughs) so i i feel like and that may just be kind of how the narrative for the magpies shook out but you know, I, I think it's sort of uh, as this is, you know, maybe more of a, a GM tip, but it's sort of like when you're picking those factions that the crew has a relationship with, make sure that it's ones that are going to have some strong narrative potential mm-hmm. going forward. I feel like that's really hard to know before you right. get into a game. Though. Exactly. Like you don't know what you, I mean, you can kind of get an idea of like what your players are interested in based on like some of the choices that they make, but you don't necessarily know like where they're going to go with it exactly mm-hmm. exactly honestly the problem that i have with all, setting up all those factions at the beginning is the same problem that i have with relationships and other pbta games it's that you set this up but you don't know if it's actually going to be able to pan out the way you want it to mm-hmm. you know yeah like it's it's a jumping off point but not going to be set in stone <laughs> yeah but- yeah, it seems like uh, in most PBTA games, it's a this is something that happened in the past, and this is how you were linked, 
and then once you start anything can go um so that that makes sense and i know a lot of people will lean heavily into those past relationships uh when they play especially in a one shot uh and then there's others that will uh just kind of let them fall to the wayside because they don't really need them because their characters are different from when they were in the past yeah how balanced do you feel like the different character types are do you feel like there's certain playbooks that are significantly better than others or do they kind of balance out pretty well with each other i think they balance out very very well it seems rare that someone is without ability to contribute mm-hmm. i will say that at least the magpies it does sort of like rotate what kind of jobs each one will shine in mm-hmm. but everyone shines somewhere mm-hmm. yeah um like for the slide not every score is going to be have like deception and social intrigue be a key element even if your crew leans that mm-hmm. way um so there are just going to be times where like it's someone else's turn but everyone gets one yeah that makes sense at least the gm's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the fact that there aren't any class skills really helps too so you can kind of mm-hmm. if there happen to be gaps in your crew makeup you can fill them in so you know like if you if you're playing a game where you don't have a slide anybody you could have a really charismatic cutter who is the face of the party <laughs> mm-hmm. you could have I love that. yeah you could have a a cutter with two points in consort Mm-hmm. who is just everybody's friend right until they start punching people. <laughs> um, you you know, so there's there's a lot of flexibility and adaptability with the the characters, which I think helps keep things balanced so that, yeah, people can, uh, you know, fill different holes in different ways and and all of the skills end up being covered. And then, like I said, even if nobody has a certain skill set, Push yourself, get a friend to help, you can give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I will say it feels like two of the playbooks almost feel like they have to open up into like other mechanics that aren't like central. Like the, the whisper gets into like rituals and that doesn't have to come in, but like it feels like you could easily grow out into those mechanics. Um, and then the crafting stuff with uh, the leech. The leech. Yeah. Yeah, it it opens up new mechanics, but you can also get by in a game without invoking those mechanics at all, ever. Do you feel like there are certain character types that you absolutely need to have? You know, like, you think about games that you're like, well, we have to have a healer of some sort, or we're going to be in, like, serious trouble. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need a healer. You you can find someone to patch you up. I feel like (laughs) it's always good to have one or two people who are competent in some sort of combat capacity. Yes. Not necessarily a cutter or hound, but things tend to hit the fan during <laughs> during yeah. a score, so it's nice to have that to fall back on. Yeah, if you're playing Blades, you're going to get shot at. Yeah, and somebody, I think having somebody who's good at talking is also yeah. helpful, mm-hmm. but like I said, any of the playbooks can kind of fill those those roles. Right. So... Yeah, and again, it it also depends on the kind of scores you want to do. If you're playing a group of assassins, 
you may not need somebody who, depending on how you build things out, like if you're all really good at stealth, maybe you don't ever need to talk your way into a place. You yeah. maybe just sneak and stab through every mission. <laughs> you know, a lot of it really just depends on the, the kind of stuff you want to do. That's very interesting. Yeah, I would advocate for everybody learning to fight at least a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks at my point that I've had to put into skirmish. Yeah. <laughs> skirmish? Yeah. I don't know if it's skir- I think it's hunt. I still don't, I don't think I have a point in skirmish. Yeah. You got better at shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I wanted to stay at the edge of the fight rather than getting in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been shot too many times. <laughs> How does somebody go about creating NPCs in this game, and how does it differ from creating PCs? You don't. Oh. oh. <laughs> and NPCs don't have stats. This is, again, uh, I very rarely roll dice as the GM. Mm-hmm. So NPCs are basically indistinguishable from any other obstacle that a player would face. So uh, a, a guard is the same as a locked door, is the same as a burning building. Mm. Um, it's all just a question of um, what's referred to in the game as tier, um, T-I-E-R. Um, you start as a tier zero crew, and the, it go, the, the kind of rankings go from tier zero to tier five. So... You know, again, like that, that sort of a locked, a tier two locked door is the same level of challenge as a tier two um, gang member as a, you know, they, they sometimes the, you know, you will have a clock for particularly difficult enemies that are going to take a, a longer fight to defeat. Mm-hmm. Like if you're fighting a gang boss, like a major named NPC, that's probably somebody who, it's going to take several blows back and forth to defeat them. But that's the same as if you're trying to break into the vault of the most secure bank in the city, getting through that vault door is also going to have a clock and take you a lot of, so yeah, NPCs, you don't, you don't build them out. They don't have any stats. I have a spreadsheet that I track my NPCs on. That's like name pronouns, you know, appearance, what voice I do for them, yeah. uh, you know, all kinds of other fun details just sort of keep track of stuff. But that's that is not anywhere in the book. <laughs> I that's just kind of my notes so that I can keep track of all of these people that I've populated the city with. Right. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very it it makes it so much easier to present uh, human challenges on the fly mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, well, I could have them fight guards, but I don't have the guard stat block ready. So mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, they're fighting a bunch of guards and they're with the blue coats. So that's like tier three. Uh, just go for it. <laughs> yeah. I like that much better than having to like individually create NPCs. Like even if you have a template, just having to like pull all that information up and yeah. know where it is and everything is still mm-hmm. a lot to deal with. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you you don't make NPCs. <laughs> that's the that's the answer. I'm for it. Yeah. I want to talk about our group cohesion. Do you think that we gel well mechanically? How do you feel like we would do in a game? I think we've. I mean, a there's five of us, which means we cover a lot of diverse things by default. Mm-hmm. Um, from what people were saying. 
Um, it seems like we've got a pretty good spread of like uh, dots and actions. Like everyone's got a little bit of something in each category. Mm-hmm. It did feel like we had a lot of social skills. Yeah. Which, yeah. not a bad thing. It's just we were uh-huh. kind of leaning that direction, but that's not. Mm-hmm. But also, we're hey, a cult. We're... We have to convert people somehow. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. And like, I really enjoyed how we kind of came together through the process of um, like our slide being more involved in getting the the layer together and Minna's character like becoming loyal to mine or bringing in shared connections between our, our slide and our whisper and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, I think we'd have a pretty connected group yeah. going in yeah. here. Yeah, it looks like the only thing that we don't have any dots in is Wreck. No, I have Wreck. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. I came with Wreck. Then, <laughs> then we are good on everything. <laughs> yeah, I can smash. Have a little chart. It has little oh. dots. <laughs> yeah, so I think just... You're almost certainly going to have people who are good in a general area and people who are good in multiple areas mm-hmm. is the norm. So you're going to, you can find a way forward. Ooh, yeah. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the system as a whole though. Um, what do we think about how it plays and how it lends to character development? Uh, not necessarily character advancement. Well, if you want to see it in yeah. episode, <laughs> Mag Pies podcast at magpies underscore pod. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done, Josie. High five. Uh-huh. That's a good plug. Um, that is one of my favorite things, like pieces of feedback we get from people are like, oh, I found other podcasts through your show. I'm like, yes, do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it's one thing that I will say that we – that that when I have run this kind of in, in longer campaigns, um, you have to put forth a little extra effort, I feel like, to have um, role play among the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, the interactions are outward facing. It is about how do you interact with NPCs and the challenges of the city. Yeah. And all of your backstory building is... NPC relationships. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you do have to put in a little work. Um, and this was something that we kind of struggled with initially in the Magpies was we didn't always have scenes with the characters interacting much. Um, so it's something where you have to work at a little bit, I think, in, in terms of kind of tying that back to the character development piece um, of, of sort of building those relationships among the characters. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, though... Uh, the the whole system, as as Amelia pointed out, is about moving forward of of just this forward motion of things snowballing, mm-hmm. and that is basically the the story of the whole system and of the characters is that you your characters do a score, they make people angry inevitably, <laughs> things go wrong on the score that they have to deal with, and so Suddenly that ties into. Yeah, that ties into the next score where more things go wrong and more people are angry at them. And it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. So like four or five sessions in, you've got this horrible web of problems that your characters are having to deal with. And I think you figure out who your characters are through like almost by grinding them against these other perspectives in the city, like 
we Definitely. didn't know that we were going to become vigilantes until we kept running into these assholes and deciding we wanted to fight them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strong agree, though. I think that like does because failure sort of forces you to think about who you are and how to fix things and like build some of that momentum for you. I think that you know a system that forces you into really difficult situations over and over and over again has a tendency to like i mean it just sort of like polishes your character yeah right? like you're constantly like grinding up against things until it is smooth and or broken faction game. yes <laughs> is the other way it can go that's yeah i mean either way okay. yeah so so ultimately like kind of long-term character advancement with stress if you ever fill up your stress meter which is nine points of stress you take a level of trauma which is some change to your character's personality it can be it's it's things like vicious or cold or soft or something of based on whatever happens it changes your character you can do that four times at which point your character is just too traumatized and and broken down by the life that they have lived they cannot keep doing it um and then throughout the game you have the opportunity to anytime you make money you can put some aside kind of in a stash and your character's ultimate fate is determined by how much money you've socked away for them oh wow um Ooh. so it's kind of like you know if you have a decent amount of cash it's like okay you can retire into something comfortable maybe you open a little business or if you haven't put a lot of money away it's like you die in a gutter <laughs> <laughs> So your magpies are not doing great on that front, then? It depends. Minx is doing good. Yeah, Minx has <laughs> a lot of money put away. Because <laughs> I have the slide ability that's yeah. just at the end of every She makes a little money on get. the side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Other, other characters? Lyra's got, I think, maybe two ticks in that second tier. Yeah, so, like, they have made enough money that, like, they are they are squirreling some money away for their future, but... Um, we also made a lot more money in the beginning. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, I will say that also, like, the faction game and the way it places you into this social web, like, you... These characters figure out how they want to stand in regards to everyone else around them, and I think that develops them as people. Mm-hmm. Which... Because, like, Magpie's... Uh, becomes very much a <laughs> class warfare thing, a deciding what you think is right and wrong thing. Um, with this group that we've built, I can imagine that we look into ideas about like power and and the right to authority and legacy, things like that. Like definitely, those yeah. are all pretty strong themes that I think we've. And I think the characters we already see would have different views on this and discover things about each other and, and fight and yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it, this is our last segment that we go through here we want to talk about character advancement and in this segment we call it take it up a level mm-hmm. <laughs> take it up a level take it up a level all right in this segment we will cover how character advancement or leveling up is covered in the system so how does a character level up in blades in the dark and what sort of perks are we looking at when that happens? It's not leveling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's actually, so the experience system is going to sound a little complicated when I explain it, but it's not actually that difficult. <laughs> so you have four experience tracks. 
Okay. And I promise it's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you so far. Yep. So you have, um, I, I mentioned with the action, uh, uh, your, that action list that it was broken up into three categories, resolve, prowess, and insight. Um, those categories relate to some other mechanics in the game, but one of the mechanics is experience. Each of those categories has a little experience bar. And you, there is also just a general playbook experience track. So you can earn experience in basically two ways. Um, the first is any time that you roll a, a desperate action, um, which basically means the GM tells you you are in a desperate position, you are outnumbered, um, outmatched. Outgunned. <laughs> I was trying, I realized I was leading into that. And I'm like, no, no. Thank you for understanding because that was the only word I could remember of no. that lyric. No, my, my, I got it. my brain was going to Hamilton. I tried to, I veered my speech away from it, but. But, but basically, yeah, you're, yeah. you're at that point and you gotta yeah. use all of your, all of your everything and you gain an experience point in the track that that action is underneath. Yeah, so like uh, skirmish is in the the prowess category. So if I rolled a desperate skirmish action, no matter what happens, it doesn't matter if you succeed or you fail, just by trying something that is so far above what you're capable of, you get experience. So -hmm. that's one. The other way that you get experience is at the end of the session, if you look at your character sheet, there is... Uh, a set of questions that you kind of answer about your character or, or not questions, but sort of like, did you do this thing? So each playbook has a, a sort of playbook relevant question. So like for the lurk, it's you addressed a challenge with stealth or evasion. If I did that one time in the session, I get one point of XP. If I did it two or more times, I get two points of XP and those I can put in any, uh, any track that I want. Okay. I can put them in my playbook. I can put them into one of those categories. Um, similarly, um, it's the same thing with XP distribution for the other uh, questions. You expressed your belief, strives, heritage, or background. You struggled with issues from your vice or traumas. So mm-hmm. basically, um, you and it's up to the player. The player decides uh, if they earn XP for those things. So you just kind of go through, did I do these things? Yes or no. Did I do it more than once? And then you, you award yourself XP and, and distribute it wherever you want. Mm. Um, when you fill up one of those, one of the action categories, uh, resolve insight or prowess, you can put uh, another dot into one of your your actions in that category. So like if I filled up prowess, I could put another dot into one of the actions under prowess. When you fill up your playbook, you get to take another special ability. So yeah, there's not really a straightforward, like I have gained enough XP and now I have unlocked new stuff. It's just sort of like, I'm gonna, you know, you it, it's, it's a little more wishy-washy. And so you can choose of like, you know, if you are realizing like, oh, okay, we keep running into situations where it would be really helpful if somebody was better at tinkering. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put all my XP that I can towards that so that I can get uh, a dot in tinker. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so that is, 
the the perks that you get are are more dice or a special ability, basically, when you get enough experience. I just realized or remembered, I guess, because I always forget. Like, or I didn't bring it up before, but the XP triggers uh, that list of questions just almost entirely keyed off of playing the character you created, which is really really encourages role playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, mm-hmm. you don't get XP if you're not playing your character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the second one is almost entirely yeah. the you expressed your beliefs drives heritage or background. That's entirely a role play question. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if you're not getting into scenes where your character is expressing who they are, then yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um. And incidentally, the the crew. Oh, you're right. I forgot. Yeah. I completely forgot. Yeah, the crew also gets XP. Um, the crew does not have a desperate action equivalent, but uh, it does have some questions. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, that are, are similar sort of things. Of like, there's one that is specific to the crew type, and then some ones that are just kind of relevant that 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 all of them deal with. But yeah, it's like. Yeah, the advance cr- the agenda of your deity or embody its precepts in action. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And then when when the crew when the crew XP track fills, you have a couple options. You can either get two more crew upgrades, which are that that list that we looked at earlier, one special ability or one cohort, um, which is either like another gang of people to do your bidding or a single NPC expert. Also to do your bidding. Nice. So. The crew also can gain turf, but that's more of a thing you get through scores. Yeah. Yeah, that's not an XP thing. So it sounds like we've kind of answered my next question, too. Mm-hmm. But would it be beneficial to have that advancement in mind during character creation? It seems like the answer is generally no. Yeah. Yeah, because you can kind of fill stuff in as you see needs. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to have a... It's, it, I will... S- Sorry. <laughs> oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's not like you. Yeah, you don't really have to have a a plan of like, okay, I have to take this special ability to unlock this special ability. You can just kind of yeah. wing it. But I think you can also, because you can always get that ability later, you can factor that into like when you're creating it. You can think, oh, it'd be more interesting story wise if I had this advancement later mm-hmm. after growing into it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is or kind ultimately, of like, who do I want to start out as? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and, like, this this can come later as, like, a, a way that my character has changed and it'll be more dramatic that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is advancing a skill or, or advancing uh, to a new playbook ability or, or even leveling up your crew, does that happen relatively quickly, generally? Or is that, like, a multi-session sort of thing before... Multi-session. Yeah. yeah. I was say, it seems yeah. like a slower. But not, uh, not a ton of sessions. I would say that yeah. somebody fills an XP track usually every two or three sessions. Yeah. Okay. It depends on how much you're concentrating on one XP track, because I will bounce between them because I've decided my priority is different this session <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm very bad and at I tend to, like, those. focus fire. Yeah. Yeah, I know. My next advancement down. Yeah, Josie, you were like early on, you were rapid fire getting new special abilities. Um, <laughs> and I think it's just you were dumping everything into playbooks so you could unlock those. Yep. So I'm starting to like highlight which things I want next just <laughs> so I can give myself focus because I never remember. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that's the thing, like the choice like lets you choose between like linear and lateral advancement mm-hmm. as you need. 
So I like focus fire getting more options first before getting like linearly better at things. Yeah. yeah. But even then putting that first dot into an ability or an action essentially does open up an option for you because now you can do that ability without taking stress right. and stuff. So Yeah. But sometimes that doesn't feel as good. Yeah. <laughs> Although it will feel better next time you're rolling resistance for that section. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think that pretty much wraps everything up. We did it. Okay. We did it. Well, we, oh made we made we people. We did. We made some trash. <laughs> yeah. We made a gang for a, a cult full of spoiled rich kids uh-huh. who yes. want more power. Oh, yes. Oh, God, guys, it's the proto circle of flame. This is an yeah. early version. Oh, oh no. God. <laughs> The circle of yeah, flame blood is another sacrifice and everything. The circle uh, of flame is another gang in the the Blades book that oh. has tr- has emerged as the main antagonist <laughs> in the Magpies, <laughs> and they they are a bunch of spoiled rich people who are desperately trying to amass more power. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> also very occult. Also very into human sacrifice. Just, yeah. I mean, you've only found them doing it in one place. Like, you don't know. You, not be the them you don't know their lives. <laughs> also, there's know. a whole you're, other... You're not the boss of them. <laughs> okay, we found them doing one human sacrifice and planning to do another type. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you need to try things more than once to be sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They were doing a little <laughs> experimentation. Anyway, if blood uh, doesn't work, you're not using enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They really were doing science. It was Amazing. some bad science, but it was, yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, this has been this yeah. has been awesome. I think yes. my voice is gone. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. Though. It yes. was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Learning about Blades in the Dark was definitely a joy. And creating these amazing... And horrible people. <laughs> They're terrible. Was I love them. It's good. Yes. Uh, Blades is so good at creating just that that wonderful character who's like morally ambiguous at best, but you just love this trash uh-huh. fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right. Can we go ahead and remind everyone where they can yes. find you and what sort of things you're working on now? Let's start with Ree, please. All right, so I'm Re. I am uh, still the GM and producer of the Magpies podcast, which you can find me at Rhiannon42 on Twitter. That's my personal account. You can find the Magpies at Magpies underscore pod on Twitter at MagpiesPodcast.net for our main website and Patreon.com slash Magpies podcast if you want to throw some money our way and get some cool stuff. (laughs) Um, I'm Josie. I play Minx on the Magpies podcast, and you can find my art and streams on my Twitter at Dragon Girl Josie. And I am Minna. I play Myra on the Magpies podcast, and Inez on the Ironhides podcast. And you can find me at Mina Minar. Wonderful. Well, thank you, thank you so much for sitting down with us. This mm-hmm. was so much fun. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to do so this. Cool. This is a game I've been super interested in for a while. Mm-hmm. So Some we- someday when my schedule when our schedules align, I will run a game with the two of you. I've got such a long list of people who are like, "Oh, I really I love hearing about blades. I want to play it so much." I'm like, I'm just gonna like start a waiting list. <laughs> yeah, <get laughs> and just GM games. 
great GM, but I'm willing to help with the mission of like, people getting to play this game. Everyone needs to play this game. I have definitely run one shot solely for that reason. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us, and thank you to everybody else for tuning in. We will be back next week. Bye. Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts and guests, or even some of our character sheets. Character Creation Cast can be found on Twitter at CreationCast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter, and I can be found on Twitter at Lord Neptune. Our other host, Amelia Antrim, can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast they originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero Remix by Steve Combs and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game systems used in today's guests can also be found in the show notes. If you like the systems discussed and wish to purchase them, links to the products can be found in the show notes. Also, check the notes or the website for cool stuff to go with each character, such as dice or mixtapes. Thanks for joining us, and remember, we find that the best part of any role-playing game is character creation, so go out there and create some amazing people. We will see you next time. Chessex dice, so you get 36 in a container of those, and oh, yeah. oh, wow. it's too many. <laughs> I I love those, and I got my son some, except that I keep finding them like in his bed when I'm changing the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. Honestly, like, on the floor I keep finding them in my bed. <laughs> they get everywhere. I don't. I still don't know where one of them is. I know there's one specific one missing, and I can't find it. It's gone forever. It's like socks in the that, dryer. It sounds like a Pixar film. <laughs> It's off having a magical adventure. Mm-hmm. I know what you're thinking of, Minna. I know. Yeah. Horrible moose hands. Oh, my God. Skittles. We had, in, in a, a one-shot game that I ran for a charity stream, we had uh, a good friend of ours, Waffles, um, played a hound whose hunting pet was a moose with horrible, long, spindly arms. And at the end of those spindly arms were not hooves, but hands. Oh, no. Horrible <laughs> moose hands. It looks like it picked us up with its horrible moose hands. Also, it, like, w- runs along the ground like a spider. <laughs> it's and bad. As, as, the, as the GM, I was obligated to describe the sounds that the horrible moose hands made as was they slapped against the cobblestones. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> so, it's, it's very, the worst. It was, it was <laughs> great. This is a night themed around terrible noises. <laughs> you hear clapping. As you oh. said. <laughs> <laughs> I love Skittles. <laughs> Animals so, with hands are no good. I'm just no, going to put that out there. Is somebody doing the Monty, Monty Python coconuts just with their hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have? A hound, leech, lurk.
whisper. And a slide. Oh, slide. Yes. Yeah. I'm the slide. Wee. Ah, uh, yeah. Gosh, it's a good thing Minx does not have. I am ability. waiting for the day that you take it. <laughs> Josie, <laughs> Josie, I have so many plans. <laughs> okay. Now I know what to put my XP towards. <laughs> Weird. Would you smooch a ghost? Oh, Heck yes. Oh, if that's your kink and you get possessed in the midst of a, of a score, what happens? You have fun with you it. You definitely get XP. Really great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine with pushing the borders a little bit with the content. Um, so we'll just say hmm. they have a little bit You're of only fine with, like, a little bit. I'm fine with whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I hate naming people. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Uh-huh. I had to name actual humans, too. It was awful. Oh. I can't even imagine. Like, I get so stressed out about naming, like, NPCs who will literally never show up again. I cannot imagine naming an actual human. Have I told you the story of how I named Nathan? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, amazing. Man. It's because I'm indecisive, so I just make other people make that choice for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did you do? Okay, so um, we did like an NCAA-style bracket where we picked 32 <laughs> girls' names and 32 boys' names. My ex-husband and I each picked six, 16 of each, and then we put them in a bracket. And That's then amazing. every day... I would post on Facebook like a survey and have people vote on them. Oh and then we like slowly narrowed it down <laughs> until we had um, Mora and Nathan were the girl's name and boy name. And then I had a boy. So he is Nathan. Hmm. Yep. Decided via internet. Yep. So it was like all of my family <laughs> and friends and my ex's family and friends. And like I had a couple college professors <laughs> who like voted in there every day. It was good. It was good. I I don't remember how I I... I don't remember how it came up, but I actually told that story at work to one of my friends who had a baby last year. And she was like, oh, my God, that's the best thing ever. If I have another kid, I'm doing it. It's so good. And it was like people because there were so many people voting every day was like 35 or 40 people, I think. Um, It they weed out like the weird names. It's not like they pick, you know anything bizarre like there are a couple names in there that were just like uh i need four more names because i'm at 12 (laughs) instead of 16 you know but depends on who you pose it to i feel like if you post it to the nameberry community hmm. oh yeah i have somewhere there's like a i have like a tweet that i had decided on the name for my second child based on names i'd seen on like these mom blogs and i was like my future child is now race car aragorn (laughs) (laughs) so i just like that is my future non-existent child is like whenever i have to talk about like yeah when i become a super rich suburban stay-at-home soccer mom you could call them rc for short yeah my sweet my sweet sweet child race car aragorn (laughs) good old rc God damn it, I keep forgetting no swears. Wow. Yeah, I swear. I swore. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just I have a note out. card on my desk that says no, no swears. swears. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very bad about this. It's it's really difficult. I've gotten better at it, mm-hmm. but like, man. It's just that uh, my gamey persona doesn't have to filter herself very yeah. much. Like, I, I'll say stuff like, gosh darn it, at work. All the time. <laughs> automatically. Mm-hmm. 
<sighs> I have audio of like at one point my internet cut out and then Ryan was like we were both still recording and it's just him being like gosh darn it <laughs> oh fiddlestick. it's just like the most the most wholesome thing I've ever heard it's just like oh man like, what a bummer like oh Ryan bless you um now we gotta read some show blurbs show blurbs show blurbs Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Character Creation Cast is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, visit One Shot Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep, keep going. If you enjoyed our show, visit OneShotPodcast.com, where you'll find other great shows like Backstory. Backstory is a cozy, thoughtful interview show featuring the most fascinating folks in role-playing. Join host Alex Roberts as she gets to know game designers, LARP rights, scholars, community organizers, and more. From emerging artists to seasoned veterans, guests open up about their creative process, what keeps them engaged, and their visions for the future of role-playing. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>